The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. In the last message, we began to look at Article 7 of the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. You may recall that Article 7 reads as follows. We believe that baptism and the Lord's Supper are ordinances instituted by the Lord Jesus Christ, and true believers in Him are the only subjects Christ instituted these ordinances for, and that baptism by immersion is the only proper mode. Having dealt with the proper mode of baptism, which is immersion, We now turn to the proper understanding of baptism. That is, we understand that baptism does not save us eternally. Another way to put it would be to say that baptism is not essential to eternal salvation. It is, however, essential to working out our salvation here and now. There is a timely deliverance or timely salvation in baptism as we read in 1 Peter 3 and verse 21. Today we begin to look at that with a view toward understanding the proper place of baptism in the life of the believer. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
morning we want to go back to our series on our articles of faith here at Zion Primitive Baptist Church and I want us to remember that these articles of faith I say this every time but I, I, I think it bears repeating these articles of faith were, were adopted by this church in 1847 when it was constituted here in Zion community and those articles of faith have not changed since then and it's not because the seven charter members were just so smart and so theologically astute. It's just that they based them on the Word of God. And so we've gone through these articles of faith, which, by the way, uh, as I've also said many times, are almost identical to every other Baptist church in this area, in this county, uh, including the Pickens County Baptist Association, it, they're almost identical to those articles of faith if that church was constituted, say, 1950 or before. Now, most new ones don't have the same ones. But, but what we are thankful for here is that these articles of faith are, um, are based upon the Scripture and have not needed to be changed because of that, and we still believe them today. Many places, many churches have moved away from it, but we still believe them today. We've talked about art, articles 1 through through six, uh, we believe in the one and true and living God. We believe the scriptures of the New Testament and the Old Testament are the word of God. We believe in the doctrine of election. We believe in original sin. We believe in justification by the imputed righteousness of Christ. We believed uh, in regeneration by the direct operation of the Holy Spirit. And as of last time we were together, we were on article seven which states that we believe that baptism and the Lord's Supper are ordinances instituted by the Lord Jesus Christ and true believers in Him are the only subjects Christ instituted these ordinances for and that baptism by immersion is the only proper mode. Now the purpose, I, I believe that it's been of the Lord that, uh, that the Lord has impressed me to go to this series on the articles of faith in the kingdom of God uh, for a variety of reasons, some of which I probably don't know, but one is that our people here might be grounded in what we believe, that we might know why we do what we do. And in fact, especially in this portion of the Articles of Faith, we're beginning to talk about the practice of the church here. And, and as many uh, uh, can see, as you, as you can see when you come in, the practice here is a little bit different than it is in most places out in the world. Uh, most places have a whole lot more activity than just preaching, praying, and singing. But as we go through these articles of faith, and particularly in this one, I hope to be able to, to preach over the next few Sundays about why we do the things that we do. Now, if you're here this morning and you don't do things at your church the way we do things here, we're not attacking your church. We're not, we're not throwing out, lobbing out theological hand grenades at the religious world. That's not our place. It's not our place to attack anybody. But it is our place to stand on what we believe the Word of God teaches. And so I would say this as well, that anything I preach from the pulpit... If it has a scripture to back it up, then we ought to believe it. Any other thing I preach from the pulpit is just my opinion. And my opinion is just as good as yours, and yours is just as good as mine. But that's why we don't preach men's opinions here. We don't get up here and tell, well, I think, I believe. Well, if I do say I believe it, <laughs> or if I say our church believes it, it's because we believe the scripture teaches it. So last time we saw that these 
these are ordinances, the baptism and the Lord's Supper, these are ordinances and not sacraments. And we not want to rehash that, but just understand that a sacrament, which many churches teach us that, that these things are, is a supernatural means of grace. Something where the Lord does something supernatural in the process of performing the ritual. We don't believe that. We believe it's just an ordinance. It's a symbol. It symbolizes the gospel message. In fact, the two ordinances that our church has, baptism and the Lord's Supper, are two clear enactments of the gospel message. When the candidate for baptism is immersed, which we talked about that last time, we believe that's the proper mode, he is showing forth in symbol the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. When that candidate goes down below the water, it symbolizes Christ being uh, crucified and being buried and then being raised again on the third day. When we do the Lord's Supper, as we'll talk about that coming up in, at some point, we have only the wine and the bread, only the wine and the unleavened bread, by the way, uh, and, and, and that symbolizes to us, it tells us in a visible form that our hope lies only in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. See that? And that's good news, by the way, for a sinner. <laughs> that's good news. It's, it's back, you know, if, if you came to me and said, Brother Chris, okay, you, seem, you see that you're a sinner, and, and I'm broken, you're brokenhearted over your sins, and now you know what Christ did, but now here's what you've got to do. <laughs> Man, when you get to that point, that's not good news to me. You know, I've told you before, you know how many things I've messed up in my life? You know how many simple things I've messed up, you know? I, I can't even follow, I learned this weekend, I can't even follow a GPS, you know? I thought I, I thought I was right on track and I just missed the turn, you know? I can't even, I'm not even smart enough to do that, much less don't handle my eternal redemption, my eternal salvation. Don't give me something to do because I could never get it right. And by the way, I would never be satisfied that I got it right even if I did. <laughs> so... This morning, I want us to move on. We talked about last time the proper mode of baptism, and I won't rehash that, but uh, this morning, I think it's important that we have a proper understanding of what baptism does and what it is and what it is not. So I want you to turn with me over to 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to just read one verse, but then we'll go back at some point and pick up a few more verses. In 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 21, we read the following. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, it's important... Let me say it this way. Baptism is an important part of the Christian's discipleship. It's an important part. We ought, if you have seen yourself as the sinner you are, and you recognize that Christ is your only hope of redemption, then you ought to identify with Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection by submitting yourself to the ordinance of baptism. Okay? And we read that here, in some fashion, baptism saves us. What I want to make clear this morning, though, is this, is that baptism, the salvation we find in baptism, is not eternal salvation. It's not eternal. And I want us to break this verse down 
and see that. We need to have a proper understanding. Baptism is extremely important, but we need to put it in its proper place. It is important here and now. Notice what he said. Baptism is a figure. Let's, let's look at that. The like figure whereunto even baptism also doth now save us. The Greek word there is antitupon, which is the word we get our, the Greek word we get our, our word antitype. A-N-T-I-T-Y-P-E, antitype. And an antitype is that which is represented by a symbol or a type. And um, notice here that the more detailed definition, if you will, of this like figure, antitupon, is a representative or a counterpart. It is a thing formed after some pattern, a, a thing resembling another or its counterpart. Now, notice right from the outset, you know, I, we just went to the Greek and we just did a little word study. You don't even have to go that far. It says that baptism is a like figure. You know what that means? What's a figure? It's not the substance, is it? It's a type. It's a type. It's a symbol. Baptism is a figure, and it is not the substance, you see. Baptism is not intended to be the actual thing, but it is simply a symbol of the thing represented. So as we move on through this verse, we also see that baptism is salvation. It said, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Now, uh, before you start explaining a verse to me, you need to know what the verse says. <laughs> I heard Brother Sonny Powell say that one time. He said, don't tell me what you think a verse means until you can tell me exactly what it says. In other words, read the words in the verse and make sure we understand what that, those words are saying. So he says, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. So I want to ask you a question this morning. What kind of salvation is there in baptism? It is a now salvation. It is a now salvation. Now, I don't want to get off too far because we've talked about it before, but I do think we need to understand that in the Word of God, there is more than one type of salvation taught. There is, there is eternal salvation. When you see the word saved or salvation, sometimes it's talking about eternal salvation. But sometimes it's talking about what I would call timely salvation or here and now salvation. Say, preacher, what are you talking about? I said, well, think about this. Think about over there when Peter was walking on the water. He was walking to Jesus, and he was doing just fine as long as he had his eyes on Jesus. He got his eyes off of Jesus, though, and what happened? He started sinking in the waves. <laughs> and what did he do? He cried out, Lord, save me. <laughs> now, I want to ask you, was Peter calling out to the Lord to give him the new birth, to born him again? Was, was Peter calling out to Jesus to get him to uh, take him to heaven? He could have just sunk in the waves and gone to heaven. <laughs> See, he didn't have to cry out. Save. It, that was a timely here and now deliverance. When the disciples in Matthew, I believe it's the 8th chapter, uh, we won't turn over there, but you, I've, I've covered it before. They were being, their ship was about to over, be overwhelmed by the waves. And they said, Master, you, don't you care that we perish? said, Master, please save us. Well, that salvation was not... In eternal salvation. And when you go looking in the Word of God, you've got to determine what kind of salvation is under consideration. In other words, every time you see the word saved, you need to ask yourself, saved from what? Saved from what? I never forget listening to, I didn't get to go to it, but I listened to 
the ordination of our dear brother, Elder Obey Indolima, who's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he, uh, he was ordained up in Vestavia Primitive Baptist Church, and uh, my brother Tim was questioning him in, in the questioning portion of the ordination service. And he said, Brother Obey, if someone comes up to you on the street and says, are you saved or have you been saved, what would your response be? He's, he, in his uh, African accent, he said, Brother Tim, I would ask them, saved from what? <laughs> and that's a pretty good response because there's many things. See, the, the Bible teaches about so many things we need to be saved from here and now. You know, I need to be saved uh, every day from my, my old Adam nature. I can, you know, I, I'll tell you, I've told you many times, there's, uh, I'm, I, feel, I feel the Spirit of God this morning. I feel close to the Lord up here in the pulpit uh, with you all here. I feel the Spirit of the Lord moving, but at the minute I, my feet hit that asphalt out there, you know, that old spirit of Adam starts rising up in me. I need to be saved from that. And I can save myself from that by dwelling on things of the Word of God as opposed to giving in to the flesh and following those things. You can save yourself from uh, addiction to drugs by avoiding taking them in the first place. You see, there's so many things you can save yourself from. So the question here is, saved from what? What kind of salvation is under consideration? And we already read that it is a now salvation. It doth now save us. And, and by the way, let me just point this out. This can't be referring to the remission of sins. Because the remission of sins has already occurred on the cross. That's a then salvation. <laughs> the Lord died on the cross. Uh, notice if you, I told you we'd pick up some verses here. Let's go back up to verse 18 as we get the context of verse 21. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. Notice the past tense there. He hath suffered. That's a then salvation. That's a then redemption. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which he also went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water, the like figure whereunto baptism also doth now save us. You see, there's some connections here that we need to make as we, as we explore what the proper understanding of baptism is. So, notice here, it says in verse 21, as we continue parsing out that verse, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. In that little parenthetical there, Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is explaining to us even more about what baptism really is and what it is not. Notice that it is not eternal redemption. It is not eternal salvation. It is a now salvation. Well, what does it save us from? What is the salvation? It is the answer of a good conscience toward God. Baptism is always an answer to something. It's the answer to a good conscience. And notice, in order for it to be an answer to something, the question has to already be there. And the question in this case is the good conscience. Okay? The good conscience has to already be there. 
See, you don't get baptized to get a good conscience. You already have a good conscience. And, and, the, and you remember in Acts chapter 2 where the, uh, Peter preached there and, uh, on the day of Pentecost and he preached that powerful message about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he had done to save his people from his sins and the fact that he had accomplished that on the cross and they were pricked in their hearts, which tells me something had already happened in their hearts. And they said, men and brethren, what should we do? You know what Paul said? Uh, Peter said? He said, Repent and be baptized. It was an answer to the good conscience that was now implanted through the new birth. You see, the new birth, only through the new birth can a good conscience be implanted. Remember, we've read about that. We've talked about the new birth and what we were like before we were born again. Uh, before the new birth, we're that natural man. 1 Corinthians 2, 14, which we always go back to. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. In other words, the one who has not been born again, but has only been born the first time in the flesh, a natural man, he has no desire for the things of God. In fact, he can't even understand them you know i've used this before too as i stand here as we sit here today in this in this building there's all kinds of radio waves and television waves and satellite waves going through this building right now you know the, the internet we have we have wi-fi here we have wi-fi here but you know before we got a receiver back there a router to sit up on that shelf we couldn't pick up the wi-fi why because we didn't have a receiver it was out there but we couldn't pick it up Beloved, we have to have a receiver, a spiritual receiver, to receive the things of the Spirit of God. You have to have a satellite receiver to receive the satellite transmission. You have to have a radio receiver to receive the radio transmission. And according to Scripture, you've got to have a spiritual receiver in order to receive the spiritual things. Because a natural man is dead in trespasses and sins. A man who's dead can't do anything in the realm to which he's dead. If I died in my basement, Sherry could come to the top of the stairs and say, hey, supper's ready. Come on up if you want it. I'm going to sit there. She'd say, I fixed your favorite, your favorite food, your favorite cake, your favorite dessert. Just come on up and you can have it. If I'm dead, I'm going to sit there. She could threaten me. She could say, all right, if you don't get yourself on up here, I'm going to throw it out. <laughs> Doesn't matter, I'm dead. She could say, just tell me you want it and I'll bring it to you. Am I gonna respond? Not at all. You see, I'm dead to the physical realm. And likewise, when a man's dead in trespasses and in sins, he's dead spiritually. He's dead to the spiritual realm. He cannot respond spiritually. He cannot answer the call. Many people are telling dead alien sinners to do something to get saved, but beloved, a dead alien sinner not only cannot do anything, he wouldn't if he could. It says that it's foolishness unto him. Think about all the people out of the world that think what we're doing here today is just foolishness. I mean, that's the natural man. In the natural side of me, it's foolish. You see, there's a natural part of me that doesn't want to be here this morning. There's a natural part of me that would rather still be in the bed this morning. <laughs> but I'm telling you, there's a part of us that is just like that natural man, but that's all a natural man has. You see, that's why we need to be born again. And that's why the new birth is solely by the sovereign act of God. Now, once we've been born again, that's when that new conscience, that good conscience is implanted over in 
Romans chapter 2, he talks about those Gentiles that didn't have the law, that act according to the law. They, have, they, they show forth the, the law written in their hearts. That's what happens in the new birth. We've already talked about that. And you see here, baptism is not a conditioned precedent to the new birth. It's not a condition that, condition that precedes a good conscience. It's, a, it's, a, it's an act that is an answer to a good conscience, you see. And by the way, we just read these other verses, so let's talk about that for a minute. Look at the example of Noah. You know, when we started out this morning, we saw in verse 21 that, it is, that baptism is the like figure of something. It's the like figure of something. So let's look at that. What is it the, what is it the like figure of? In verse uh, 20 there, he says, well, verse 19, to catch the full context, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Notice the salvation that occurred in Noah's day. It was a salvation that occurred by water, and we're told that the like figure is baptism. So in whatever way Noah was saved by water, that is the way we are saved by baptism. Now, the first thing I want to ask you is this. Did the waters of the flood regenerate Noah? And I think the clear answer to that is no. Noah already had found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah had already been obedient to God. Noah was already showing forth the work of the Holy Spirit, writing the laws of God in his heart and in his mind by going out there by faith and building that ark. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.